thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. The Real Food Real is a fresh and educational podcast dedicated to your health. We get real on current research, debunk food myths, and educate you on how to just eat real food. Your host, Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist, is one of Australia's leading sports nutritionists, passionate about simplifying nutrition and addicted to coconut lattes, smoothies, and sweet potato. If you love the show, then please leave us a review on iTunes. Share the real food reel with your friends and continue to spread the real food love. Hi team, it's great to have you here for another episode of The Real Food Reel. Today on the show, I am joined by Nat Kringoudis, hormone revolutionist, author, speaker, doctor of traditional Chinese medicine and acupuncturist. Nat is making waves in the world of women's health and today we discuss all things hormones, fertility and health. I specifically invited Nat on the show as I wrote an article recently on the oral contraceptive pill, which created quite the storm, to say the least. This identified with me how far we still have to go in educating women and helping them make an informed choice. I know Nat is going to really help clarify things today, and I'm excited to dive in deep with her. Hi, Nat, and thanks so much for joining me on The Reel. Hi, Steph. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited about this call, and I'd love to start with you telling us more about yourself, your story, and why you are so passionate about what you do. Yeah, sure. Well, as you said, I'm a doctor of Chinese medicine, and I'm also an author, and I have a clinic in Melbourne, um, in Albert Park, where when I initially opened, we had this influx of women wanting help with their hormones to make them more fertile, because they were all having trouble having children. And at the time, it was the one thing that, I guess, you know, it was the word on the street that Chinese medicine could perhaps help with that and there were some amazing results around that. But what I discovered in, in doing that and helping these women was that perhaps if I could reach out to them earlier rather than when they were ready to have a baby, we could actually make a collective difference. So starting to give women information and education as to, you know, some of the things that perhaps they were using like the pill, uh, how that was having a detrimental long-term impact on their health, but what's more, how it also wasn't actually fixing the problems at hand because most women were using the pill for things like a alongside contraception for things like acne or period pain or endometriosis or PCOS or whatever it was. And there was this real disconnect from that actually being something that was treatable and also the fact that the pill wasn't actually able to treat that. So that's sort of how it all evolved. And then that led me to writing my first book called Fertilize Yourself. And again, with giving that information, it's really concrete in how taking a step back and educating young women, um, we could remove the fear, they understood their health better and they could make an informed and educated choice and that was a real game changer I believe for a lot of women. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a fantastic message. Now we know that real food or food in general is obviously a huge part of the equation. Could you summarise for us what your real food message is? Yeah, well I think we just need to we love to complicate things, don't we? We just need to come back and make it simple. You know, I like to, whether you call it paleo, I don't really like to put things in a box, but I think we need to go back and look at what our ancestors and ate and how they did that and that real intuitive eating. So, you know, if it doesn't grow in the ground or roam the land, it's 
not necessarily ideal for you and then pulling it a step further back and sort of going, all right, well, does it to, to be able to have a mass amount of something or mass produce something, is that, again, some a way that our ancestors ate? And, and so, you know, rather than giving it clear boundaries, I think we need to be really mindful that at certain times our bodies need certain things and at other times those things don't go so well and really listening to what our bodies are actually telling us because our bodies are speaking to us all the time in terms of what it needs or they need and how we can better our health. So, you know, I guess that doesn't really specifically answer your question, but I think going back to nature and as our ancestors ate is really important. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad to hear that that's obviously a big part of how you treat your clients. It is the factor, I have to say. Just sorry to cut you off. No, but, no, no. You know, so many women say to me, and not so much women that come into the clinic because we have the opportunity to educate them on a deeper level, but especially people that are communicating with us via social media, I just am astounded by how many women say to me, I've tried everything, nothing's worked, Um, you know, I haven't changed my diet, but I don't really see how that's going to make a difference. And, you know, I feel like jumping through the computer screen and grabbing them by the shoulders and saying, that is the factor, that is the problem, you know, if that's where you can start, you can come into the clinic and have a beautiful treatment, but if you go back to your old way of living, the minute you step out the door, that's going to be 98% of your life, not the 2% that you're in my clinic doors and or in the walls of this clinic so you know i think that's really important to understand food and lifestyle is the absolute foundation we have to start there yeah absolutely and it's in our control so absolutely yeah so tell us more about the pagoda tree and i guess the specialties and perhaps people that you might be able to help that are, that are listening today yeah, well, you know, like I said, the pagoda tree, when we first opened, that was certainly, and that was 10 years ago now, it was certainly a matter of let's just treat whatever we can because as a new practitioner and especially at that time, um, Chinese medicine and alternative therapies weren't in full swing. They were something that were often a last resort. Um, they certainly weren't a first port of call. And so really helping to create a, a solid client base in the clinic wasn't as easy as what I would think it might be today um, I don't know because I'm not having to do that today but but you know when we really honed in or we started to look at the clientele that we were getting and the patients we were getting and it was so much about hormone health and fertility it allowed us to uh, hone in on that area and rather than need to know a little bit about a lot of things we could be really good at knowing a lot about hormones and women's health and fertility and and so that's certainly where our specialist area is. And it's not to say that we don't see other things and other conditions uh, enter the clinic, but our main focus area is women's health. And that's something that, you know, we'd be looking at starting girls at sort of 12 and 13 when they first get their period right through to post-menopause because what our hormones require doesn't necessarily change. What changes is our environment, our diet, our lifestyle, our emotional well-being. All of these things are constantly being influenced and that's what equates to changes in our hormones so you know really helping women with conditions like painful periods or endometriosis like I said PCOS infertility menopause these are all the things that we're seeing come through our clinic doors that we're having amazing results with and it is because we 
have to come back to the whole package, not just utilising medicine to influence the body because if the body's deficient in the first place, the medicine's not going to work and that goes for Western medicine as well. So, you know, integrating all of that is certainly what we pride ourselves in and we love doing and educating our patients too. It's, it's very, very important that you know what you're doing and why and for so long we've accepted health professionals telling us what we need and I think that that approach is very outdated. We can guide our patients but to force something on them and they don't know why, I don't think long term for the majority of people it's not sustainable. Yeah. I think the education is a huge part. I mean, it's about knowing that there are many other options to perhaps what you were told 10 years ago or for some women, you know, far, far back in when they were 12 and 13. Well, that's the thing too. What do you remember about when you were 13 beside the fact that maybe you had periods and they hurt? You don't. You don't. You don't remember. So, and, and how many women were also now the shift that we're seeing is so many women were 13 and put on the pill. So there was not even any investigation as to what was going on. It was that the pill was going to come along and be your knight in shining armour and save all your problems, rescue you from all your problems. And, you know, we have all know now that that's not the case at all. And when you come off the pill, you know, some women have been on it for 20 years. They come off the pill 20 years later only to discover they have a, a there's a big problem there that they need to fix and that problem needs to be addressed before you can even consider having children so you know we need to put our best foot forward always no matter what I put something up on Instagram not too long ago and I said you know fertility doesn't start from the minute we want to have children it starts from the moment we're born so nurturing that from a young age I believe is going to be the thing that makes the change you know, across for women's health and hormone health across the board, and that's what we need to come back to. And that's certainly that's my mission, absolutely. That all women we have the right to know this information. It's just that we're not being taught. Yeah, absolutely. Now we've touched on the pill, and this has been a hot topic in my world in the recent week. So I'd love to talk to you a little bit more about the oral contraceptive pill and your thoughts around, say, modern contraception. Yeah, absolutely. I think. You know, again, we go to our GPs and whether it's for contraception or otherwise, um, we're, we're, we're not always informed. We're not always told. It's not that we're not being told the truth. It's just that, you know, the truth fails to be revealed to us sometimes. And it's not even our GP's fault. You know, they're led to believe that the pill has been safe for all this time. You know, the reality is that it's a it's a level one carcinogen. It's the same level as asbestos. To me, that just doesn't even make sense as to what, why you would want to consume something that you know is potentially going to lead to cancer. But also the fact that it doesn't fix the problem necessarily. I'm sure if you're using it for contraception, that's one thing. But, you know, it's, it's the number one most prescribed drug worldwide. And we use it from everything from, you know, acne right through to PMS. Um, missing periods, you know, that's just madness because it's not even actually giving you a period. It's just a withdrawal bleed from hormones. So, you know, again, it comes back to us making informed choices around our health. And, you know, the pill, as much as it is, a you know, carcinogenic, it also strips our gut flora and that's a big problem too because if we don't have that essential bacteria sitting in our gut no longer are we able to adequately assimilate our food we can't then go on to make the building blocks for our hormones we know it also depletes our body it dips into our vitamin and mineral stores because we're not able to restore those anymore either so it's, it, it is really robbing the body of that essential vitamin and minerals that we would ordinarily 
be able to assimilate otherwise. Um, and it just leads to a host of problems because of that very reason, you know, not just digestive problems. We know that our gut is our motion centre. We have thousands of, of nerve receptors in our gut that regulate our emotions. So, you know, you're looking at all sorts of symptoms, not just the standard blood clots and, and headaches, but you're looking at a range of symptoms throughout, you know, digestive problems, anxiety, depression, you know, infertility, hormone imbalance. There's just, you know, I, I fail to see how there's benefits in that. And sure, people will say to me, well, don't you think it's irresponsible to be suggesting that young women aren't taking the pill and surely pregnancies are or can be, you know, especially if they're unwanted, can be far more damaging to a young girl's lifestyle and choices. But, you know, again, I'm then going to turn around and say, well, you know, it's really ambitious to think that a 15 or 16-year-old is going to take the pill as they need to. Not only that, why are these girls not using barrier methods? Because, you know, um, sexually transmitted diseases cause you know, massive impacts on women's body that impact their fertility long-term too. So, you know, I just feel that there's so many pieces missing from the puzzle and if we could come back and educate young women about their menstrual cycles, how that works, knowing that there's potentially only a couple of days throughout, you know, a 28-day cycle that you can actually fall pregnant, then, hey, we're removing that fear, as I always speak about, but B, we can be more educated on what our bodies are actually doing because so many women don't even know that they need to ovulate to be able to fall pregnant. So, you know, the pill has caused a massive disconnect from us knowing about our bodies and we are seeing a shift in that and we are starting to understand the long-term effects and if you ask anybody that has been on the pill long-term and then failed to have a period return again, they'll tell you that they would never do that ever again had they known that information. So it's passing this information on to other people too that I believe is really important. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I love this message and I think, you know, I just want to hit the pause button for a second because (laughs) I feel like someone hearing this for the first time could be you know, significantly overwhelmed if they've been taking the pill thinking that's the right way or if they feel like perhaps it was their last resort for the symptoms that they may have been experiencing. How would you approach that in someone that doesn't know any of this and and is sort of almost overwhelmed about what they're hearing today? Yeah, look, I firstly would say don't take my word for it. (laughs) Go and research because, again, there's so much information out there around this. But at the end of the day, the decision to better your health has to lie with what feels right for you. So, you know, it's very good and well for me to say all of this information, but if you're going to approach that from being so scared and feel like it's the wrong thing for you, then, you know, that's not for me to say it's the right or the wrong thing. I'm here to give people information so that they can make an informed choice. So, you know, try not to be overwhelmed by that. Try to use that as a motivator to go and research more so you can find out what, you know, what maybe you could do as an alternative. You know, how long have we got? We could start talking about what you might do if you had endometriosis and you'll prescribe the pill or what you might do if you have PCOS and you'll... There's so many things that we're using it for. So, you know, again, we need to come back. And I, I like to say to patients, let's start really simply. Let's let's start to implement three things that, that are going to benefit your condition and make those things a habit. So, for example, let's just say that, you know, someone with PCOS, for example, um, they are using the pill. So, obviously, we know it's robbing their gut, gut health. And, of course, that can be detrimental to them being able to absorb nutrients to, to make better quality hormones. So, I'd say, all right, we might, we might start with 
using a probiotic to start to reverse some of what the pill's doing. We need to be making sure that we're incorporating fats and protein at every meal because your hormones are made of fats and protein. And perhaps say, for example, this person doesn't eat breakfast. We're going to get them to start to eat breakfast. And we're going to start with those three things and then build on that because they're three simple things that you can start to do today to support your health ongoing. Now, you know, the reality is that whilst we're on the pill, we can never experience that new level of health because unfortunately the pill will continue to rub away that gut health. But what we know is that you can start to implement small things that when you transition off the pill, the transition will be much smoother. So again, another example, say you were taking it for acne and, you know, if you've been taking the pill for acne and you haven't done anything at all different, you can't expect a different outcome when you come off the pill. Of course, the hormone imbalance is still there. The acne is going to come back. Whereas if you've come and changed your diet and your lifestyle and perhaps moved, removed you know, things like gluten and sugar and things that were um, further impairing your gut function and then you, you know, say implement these three things that we've just spoken about and then you transition off the pill, you can expect that your skin's going to be much better in doing that because your body's well supported. So, you know, it can be all overwhelming and this is where it can be useful to have somebody support you through that transition because sometimes things pop up but it is really important that you know why you're doing something and you look at your specific condition and look at the the natural which is a you know funny word because it should just be normal like normal living is natural living um if we're doing those things then you know we can expect our body to play the game far more than if we're not doing them at all yeah, absolutely. So to summarize, do you think maybe someone that's on the pill that's using it to treat, say, a, a symptom or a condition, it's about them changing their lifestyle, changing their nutrition, and um, then perhaps looking at changing their contraceptive method once they've addressed that root cause or that underlying... Yeah, I mean, again, that, absolutely, yes, that's absolutely where you need to start. Um, and, you know getting that information so that you can then move forward on that and, and, and really educating yourself I think is so important because like I said, you know, it can be so scary to do all of this but if you know why you're doing it and you can understand how those benefits can outweigh um, what you're currently doing then you've got current, then you've suddenly, sorry, you've suddenly got motivation to do that. So, you know, I think it is so important that we do remove that fear. And, you know, sometimes our head tells us one thing and our heart tells us another. And, and you know, really honing back in on that intuition I think is so important. I have a lot of women that come to me and they say, oh, you know, I've been prescribed this, that and the other, but it just feels so wrong. And you go, brilliant, you're listening to what your body is telling you. Let's explore what the options are so that you don't have to take that the pharmaceutical road just yet you know let's see if we can fix it first and failing that that's when you would go down that path and having a plan I think is very important too you know winging it can work for a period of time but it can also be dangerous if we don't know where we're headed so you know I'll say to people let's get a plan in place perhaps you're going to stay on the pill for the next three months let's just say and you're going to implement these diet and lifestyle changes and then we're going to reassess how you're feeling and then we can work out what the next step is to moving forward so you know i think it's just good to have little milestones to be able to tick them off and and see that your body is improving along the way because if you're doing it and you're not seeing evidence of change something's not quite right yeah but a really gradual approach is obviously a nice place to start when there is either you know years of only knowing the OCP of only being on the pill, then, you know, taking some gradual steps is a fantastic place to start. Absolutely. And making it less overwhelming and less stressful because obviously stress isn't, 
another thing that's going to push our hormones out of whack. So we need to make it, you know, it's going to be individual for everyone, but we need to make it as, as easy as possible. Yeah, beautiful. Cool. So it's a, it's, I feel like it's somewhat separate but very intertwined from a family planning perspective. What would you say your message is and, and what, what would you suggest would be a great place to start for someone that's obviously now realising that maybe they can't rely on the pill for contraception? Yeah, again, you know, coming back to firstly starting to understand what your body's communicating to you and our bodies are communicating to us every second of every day and it's a matter of us being able to decipher and interpret what that actually is. So, you know, really getting in tune with your menstrual cycle I think is so important and, you know, once upon a time it was probably seen as a little bit woo-woo or a bit hippie um, but, you know, <laughs> we know we're cyclic beings. We know when it's time to wake up. We know when it's time to sleep. There's nothing woo-woo about that. So, you know, the same goes throughout the, the intricate dance that our hormones play each month. And if we can understand when we're fertile and when we're not and what that feels like, um, we can, again, start to remove some of that guesswork. And that is, you know, one of the things that most people will come to me and say, oh, you know, I really don't want a baby. And I'll say, no, I really never said you did. You know, I really want to help you understand your body so you can prevent that from happening and and you know I can only speak for myself and my patients but I've got two children they were conceived the two months that we tried to conceive them and you know I've been with my husband we've been married for eight years so I'm kind of I'm testament to being able to understand and read my body and either conceive when the time is right or prevent that from happening so we have to start there we have to start with understanding when we're fertile and when we're not. Otherwise, it's just a stab in the dark, which is, you know, potentially dangerous and can lead to all sorts of all sorts of things. Um, and then, you know, there are lots of different methods that can be implemented to prevent pregnancy as well. Some of them are slightly high school. Um, but, you know, I guess you do what you need to do for what's right for your circumstances. And I talk about, you know, a big range of different contraceptions that may be useful for people in different walks of, of life. Um, but just remembering, you know, anything that's synthetic, sadly, it has a consequence. It has a side effect. So we need to move towards those more natural um, approaches if we want to ensure and protect our hormone health long term. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. And I know that your message is certainly that fertility is not just about babies, which is an important point to clarify mm. because I think when you talk about fertility, it automatically assumes that there is the, the desire or the need for babies, mm. but we need to understand our cycle to obviously be healthy, but to prevent that if that's not the position that we're in at that point of our life. Well, that's so true. And like I said before, the pill has led to that disconnect, you know. We haven't needed to know what our cycles are telling us because we haven't really had a cycle. We've had... We've been on the pill. It's basically been flatlining our, our hormones. It stops our ovaries from doing what they're supposed to do. Um, we don't ovulate whilst we're on the pill. We don't have a period. We have a bleed. It's really important to understand that too because so many women are led to believe that they're having a menstrual cycle and it's only when they come off the pill that then they go, oh, hang on a minute, that wasn't a menstrual cycle. The pill was doing that for me. Um, and, you know, again, coming back to understanding exactly what our bodies are telling us but it's just, there is, there is, there's a massive disconnect. And, you know, I have women that come in and they'll say, we've had, this happens time and time again, you know, we've been trying for a baby and I'll be like, amazing, you know, can I see what you can you give me more information about what your menstrual cycle looks like? And they'll be like, I don't really know what you're talking about. And then I'll say, well, you know, you need to be ovulating to be able to conceive. And many women don't even understand what that is. And it's, 
you know, they'll be horrified. They'll say to me, I'm so embarrassed. How do I not know this? And I'll be like, it's not your fault. <laughs> no one's ever t- taught you. You've never had a need to know and you've been on the pill, which has been covering all of that up. So, you know, re-educating and, and again, being informed is so important moving forward. Yeah, beautiful message. <laughs> now, these are the questions that we asked all our guests on The Real so that we get to learn a little bit more about you and hopefully some great ideas that we might like to borrow. We've touched on food quite a lot, but, you know, it may be sort of another message that you'd like to give. What would your number one piece of advice be to summarize what we've been covered, covering today? Oh, <laughs> I think, look, coming back to food is medicine and that we need to nourish our bodies no matter what and to think that we can skimp on that is ambitious so you know laying the foundation like I said fats and protein are essential at every meal they're the building blocks of our hormones and if we can start with simple changes um, it doesn't have to be all overwhelming I think but it's you know let's not dismiss the fact that again like I said food is medicine and we must start there yeah beautiful (laughs) good now can you share with us what a day on your plate looks like maybe what you ate yesterday or sure um pretty much every morning I will wake to eating um, after a lemon water, I will have eggs for breakfast. They're just my favourite food on the planet, which works really well because they're the perfect package of fat and protein. Um, and so my day will, you know, start like that. I um, I love coffee, unfortunately. So <laughs> Me too. unfortunately, if you don't have a hormone imbalance, it may not be such a problem. So I'll generally have, um, and I'll say to patients, you know, if you don't have issues around that, then um, I have a, a long black to avoid the dairy because it doesn't agree with me and it doesn't agree with a lot of people. It's very difficult to break down. Um, and, you know, a day in the clinic will usually see me having a lunch break at some point where, you know, what I'm trying to get at there is that there's not always room for a lot of snacks and because I'm on the go, I might not necessarily be hungry anyway. So lunch is usually um, very often some fish and salad or um, some type of you know, plant or vegetable-based um, meal with some protein, whether it's soup or something along those lines. Um, and then, you know, dinner tends to be fairly similar. My, I, I'm blessed with a wonderful mother-in-law who um, it's like drive-through. I pick the kids up and I pick up our dinner three nights a week, which is great. So it's often, she's Greek, so it's often, um, you know, again, that perfect balance of fat and protein with very little carbohydrate. Um, if I am going to have carbohydrate, I tend to have them, you know, have that in the morning and I'll gauge that by how I'm feeling very often and I think it's really important if we can start to hone in on how we are feeling we can be led through that with our nutrition Um, so dinner will very often be um, something along the lines of you know a a protein and veggies again whether it's last night we had you know some chicken was a beautiful sort of stew kind of casserole I do a lot of um, slow cooked foods and you know that's certainly a focus because from a Chinese or not even a Chinese medicine perspective, but from a nutritional perspective, it is very easy to digest. You know, as we move into the evening, um, the way that our body works changes. So I'm really mindful of being able to also give my body foods that are appropriate to what I need. So, you know, slow cooked foods that are, you know, drawing the minerals from the, the meat and the bones and things like that are really important too. So, you know, that's kind of my average day. I am a woman, I'm human, you know, leading up to the menstrual cycle sometimes if I've had a really stressful month I'll start to crave sweet foods um, very often that's just our body's way of telling us we probably need something like magnesium or you know something that's going to ease our way into the the um, menstrual phase of our cycle so you know 
and that's when I will uh, head for those sometimes treats. But, you know, we're living at a time where there's lots of beautiful treats um, that are good for us, but, again, I think that they need to be seen as treats. And I certainly went through a phase where raw chocolate, I'm like, it's raw, it's great, there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, we can overdo these things as well. So coming back to utilising those things as sometimes foods. And the other last thing I'll leave you with is that I find that if I can have enough fat and protein at breakfast, I won't crave sweet foods or other foods at the end of the day. So making sure that my breakfast is probably my biggest meal of the day. Um, and again, for hormone health, that's really important to set set that bar at the start of the day to set the sugar levels to where they should be, not have them fluctuating all day. Yeah, I love that. I think we've had it upside down for a while, but it's breakfast like a king, lunch like yeah. a prince, dinner like a pauper, as I always yeah. say. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, totally. And you know, you're not as hungry at the end of the day if you practice that either. So it works really well. It's so true. Beautiful. Now, what's or what are you working on at the moment, Nat? Or what's next? What have you got on the cards for 2015? Oh, we've got a few really exciting projects coming up that I can't reveal too much about. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but they will reveal themselves in the next couple of months. Where um. We're part of a really exciting new project called the Weight Loss and Health Institute, which I can talk a little bit about, um, which is a great team of experts um, really looking after, you know, your needs, not just the focus not really being about weight loss, so to speak, but guiding people through nutrition, mindfulness, consciousness, you know, every aspect, I think, and, you know, alongside of your movement and that sort of stuff. So that's very exciting and that program launches um, really soon. Um, and then, you know, I've stepped back into the clinic this year, so I took a year off last year to write another book um, and to do more speaking. This year, I'm back in the clinic, at least for the first part of the year, um, and, you know, my other project on the go is, uh, you know, another book in the pipeline, um, and again, not to, to reveal too much, but I really think that that um, focusing on young women's health is key, so stepping into schools and doing a little bit more of that is also on the cards, which is fun. Absolutely. Start that education early, Nat. Yeah. Great. Now, I'm sure there's lots of people that want to learn more, and could you please direct us to say where they can find you, blog, social media, where you're at? Absolutely. Everything's just Nat Kringudis. So the website's natkringudis.com.au and my social media handles are all Nat Kringudis so you can find us very easily and, and be led to the clinic via those as well. Lovely. Thanks so much for your time, Nat. That was exactly what I wanted to share with the listeners. So I hope everyone's learned a lot and that we can really keep this conversation happening and particularly, um, you know, with young women. Awesome, yeah. Thank you, Steph, for the opportunity. I think it is so important and, you know, encouraging women to share this information, not be afraid of it. It's not scary. It's, you know, women, the more of us that can come together and support each other through this transition, it makes it much easier for everybody. Yeah, it's a good conversation to be having. Absolutely. Beautiful. Thanks, Nat. Hope to speak to you again soon. Thanks, Steph. See you. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.